American Giant does things the hard way, but that's because it's the right way. By choosing to manufacture all of its clothes in the United States, American Giant supports local communities and produces the highest quality goods on the market. Ten years ago, they went against the grain and imagined making a hoodie of unbelievable quality locally. One that would hold up for years and get better with each wear. They did just that, and now they have a full range of durable essentials for men and women, including tees, premium sweaters, cozy sweats, and so much more. The best part? Everything is American-made to the highest standards, supporting hard-working communities, living wages, and safe working conditions. So you can buy your values and fill your closet with long-lasting clothes you can feel great about. Wear your values in the new year, complete with durable essentials at American-Giant.com and get 20% off with code NY23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, code NY23. I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help nope, and- no way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBot does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBot actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBot costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. That's fitbod.me slash getfit. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Razball Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am B-Don, joined by the man you want to hear from, the Fantasy Master, Lothario, Gray Albright. How you doing over there, Gray? I'm um, good. Better. Feel, feel, feeling good. <laughs> feeling like I, uh, I'm, on, I'm on the mend. I've gotten rid of COVID, and now I just have bronchitis. So, yeah, things are things are getting better <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah, so you went from, like, hell to, like, purgatory. You know, you, yeah. you're stepping back into yeah. the world of the living soon. Yeah, yeah, so, soon I might have, uh, you know, I, I might have compa- uh, a two, uh, dual lung capacity. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I, uh, I feel like um, only Rudy was uh, truly able to understand fully how I uh, was feeling when I said uh, I told them that I was uh, feeling like in college I used to smoke Newport's uh, menthol cigarettes and that's and I uh, I wake up every morning coughing up a lung like I'm still smoking Newport's so <laughs> yeah I, I've been better I'll be honest I I've been better but I've also been worse uh, Fairly recently, I've been worse. So, yeah, I'm on the road to recovery. Thank you. Yeah, glad to hear that. I mean, is that how you and Coos met? You know, you were smoking your Newports. She's like, oh, hey, can I have one of those? That's my brand, too. <laughs> yeah. No, she smokes uh, 120 Virginia Slims. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about somebody who uh, has made his return to the hey, Let's talk about living. someone who is actually smoking. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, like that segue. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, thanks, Grant. I, I appreciate the help with that. Uh, <laughs> Jacob DeGrom has, has returned. He's in his two starts, 10 and two-thirds innings, 18 Ks, one walk, three earned <laughs> runs. I mean, he's just he's he's Jacob DeGrom. He's amazing, right? Yeah, man, you know, like I was uh I was watching him on Sunday. Uh we're recording this on Monday. I was watching him on Sunday and I was like, is this the best pitcher ever? <laughs> that's, and that's like and that doesn't feel like complete hyperbole, you know? Like when you're when you're watching a guy and you're like is this the best pitcher ever? <laughs> it feels like that feels like hyperbole, but when you're actually watching DeGrom, it doesn't feel like hyperbole. Like that's like how good he is. It's just like so incredible how well his pitches like just completely full, very good hitters. I mean, the, the Braves are not a bad team. They're not a bad offensive team. And DeGrom was just mowing them down like it was like nothing. I mean, it was it was really and incredibly, it feels like and this is and this just this in our in, in uh, this uh, DeGrom uh, is like the guy that is like that I'm saying this about, like not past DeGroms. Like there's there's been like somehow he has managed to become like this better DeGrom. And he was already like <laughs> amazing. Like he was already like, wow, can this guy get in the Hall of Fame with only like a thousand innings pitched in his career? <laughs> and like only like 75 wins to his name. Like, is that possible? And somehow each year, it's just like again and again, he becomes better and better. Like his stats are just so like, it's just amazing. Like if you look at his K per nine alone, like it goes from, I'm going to read off his last uh, six K per nines, his last six seasons of K per nines, 10.7. Excellent. Excellent. Next year, 11.2. Even better. Uh, and then 11.3. A little bit better. Then 13.8. <laughs> now it's getting absurd. And then 14.3. Now it's completely absurd. And this year, in only 10 and two-thirds, but still this year he has a 15.2 K per nine. I mean, and the walk rates just get progressively better too. It's just like, it's insane right now how well he looks like his slider was completely unhittable yesterday. Like he's like basically like Bob Gibson with a 94 mile per hour slider. That's just like off the table out unhittable just like he's completely unhittable he looks like a you know like the the top the best closer in the game but for like five to six innings i mean it's just really it's truly amazing how well he looked yesterday um but yeah i did you i don't know if you watched him what any thoughts no i mean everything you said he's he's amazing um there's there's really i mean just to kind of bring up how ridiculous i don't know if like reading off the k per nine does it full justice about like how ridiculous he was last year in his 92 innings so he threw 92 innings he faced 324 batters 324 batters gray he struck out 146 out of 324 <laughs> bats. He faced 45% of the people who came up to face Jacob DeGrom struck out. Like, that's how stupid the numbers are. Like, Hayter doesn't have a year like that. Everyone knows, everyone knows the problem, of course. It's like, he is... Icarus of like pitching. <laughs> he's like, he flies so close to the sun that he's only able to do this for like 75 to 100 innings each year. Like, it's just, I mean, that 
is not really i mean that's not really the best use of like you know i mean it's like you have a pitcher who's this good and you want him for like you know a full season obviously but you have him instead you have him for like 75 innings maybe <laughs> it's just like like that is not really like it's just so bizarre to think like at the um you know and he's already th- he's 34 years old i mean honestly i don't see i don't see how he ever gets to 100 100 wins <laughs> he's had 78 wins on his career so i mean just for like career perspective I mean, it's hard to look at him and not think Hall of Fame. But then you look at his stats and you're like, I mean, he's, he's had three years. He's only, he's only pitched for a full season three times in his entire career. And one of those years, he had a 3.53 ERA. It wasn't even like it was a good year. Don't get me wrong. It was his best year for wins. He had 15 wins. But, like, he has – over the course of three seasons, he's has only twelve wins. <laughs> it's not, I, mean, I mean, it's not great. It's not great. I'll be honest. It's not. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like when he's on the field, and when he's on the mound, you're like, okay, this is like the best pitcher I've ever seen in my life, and maybe that's ever pitched a baseball. <laughs> but he only does it for like like 50 to 75 innings it's like that's not really like you know it's like it's hard to imagine you know just thinking about like 2023 and uh like where he'll be in the top 20 i mean there's a still there's still you know almost two months of the season and then there's the playoffs for the mets so if DeGrom pitches, you know, for two months and he pitches deep into the playoffs and he stays healthy for the rest of the season, that I could see him potentially, you know, people being in on him as like a, a top three to five starter next year. But like it's impossible to imagine like him really returning that value uh, for fantasy. I mean, he just doesn't pitch enough like he pitches so well when he pitches, but it's just there's just not enough quantity yeah i mean that's how it's been the last few years i mean before that in those three seasons that you're talking about he had 200 innings and he he was an absolute workhorse from you know 2017 to 2019 even you know 2015 he had 190 innings but you're right i mean the last few years haven't hasn't really been there we know that's due to injury but those injuries are just continuing to pile up so per inning, like he's amazing. The the numbers he can give you per inning are absolutely absurd. If you're making a, a run down the stretch here and you can get Jacob DeGrom and you need some pitching, I feel like, you know, that's as good a bet as any to turn your staff around as, as far as that goes. But, man, as far as the full season goes, you're right. You have to kind of just assume you're getting at max, I'd say, 140 innings, and that's that's baby being generous as a projection. Um, I mean, he's going to look good yet next year in the Dodgers when him and Kershaw don't show up till August to do anything. Um, but... yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked by that. Uh, I, I know like you're half kidding, but I, I wouldn't well, I mean, be shocked. It's a joke, but yeah, I, I kind of also expect these, this to happen. <laughs> like yeah. the yeah. Dodgers are a I team mean, that don't worry about Dodgers, regular season. If I'm the Dodgers or honestly, if I'm any team, so the Mets, I mean, the Mets have money, so I could see. I could see uh, Steve Cohen uh, throwing money towards DeGrom to keep him there. But he, I mean, he honestly will get like probably, I would say, 25 to 30 million for like a one year deal. Probably more. Yeah. With like, you know, just like incentive on top of incentive to mm-hmm. see if they can keep him on the mound. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's probably how it, how it goes for him. Um, I, I do wonder if, like, maybe he can just late late career Roger Clemens it, just, again, like, show up when he needs to and be ready to go. Um, but also, the, the, we were talking about how great he is in the Hall of Fame, and it reminds me of a, another Mets pitcher who was a uh, first ballot off the ballot in Johan Santana, who was equally as dominant as, mm. as DeGrom, didn't have the innings, but yeah. ultimately, they they looked at his resume and said he didn't have the innings, and they couldn't he couldn't 
make the Hall of Fame, I, that seems ridiculous to me because I would take someone who was dominant over five years over a compiler. But hey, I'm not voting, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah agreed. All right. Agre- agreed. You're not voting. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no. Not writing, not writing a raspball. I'm not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> fair. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, all right. So let's talk about some guys who are not not doing well right now. And that is two guys who were sent down, Framel Reyes and Ian Anderson. I mean, we had high hopes, or at least I did, for both of these players. Anderson, just for pure innings and the numbers to be good. Fran Mill had a massive season last year and just assumed kind of that the, uh, you know, even with the plate discipline issues, the, the eye was always good and the power was always there. Uh, the eye wasn't good. The power wasn't there. He was just awful this year. Yeah, no, you know, Fran Mill really kind of throws me for a loop because I, I do think he could still be good. You know, I don't I don't really I don't think he's done. Like he feels like a guy who could have like a second uh, a, a resurgence on another team like David Ortiz going from the Twins to the Red Sox. Like that's that's how much I still really believe in Framel Reyes. I I truly think he can hit like 40 homers a year and 260 for many years. Like I I, I just am kind of shocked honestly that the uh, Guardians cut him. Um he just feels like a guy who just needs a little like a little tweak or something like I don't know I don't know what's going on with him like his K's like you said I mean his strikeouts really are up and it's concerning but he's had so many years even in the majors he's had years where his strikeouts haven't been that absurd where they were like around 28 percent so for it to balloon up to 37 percent strikeout rate I don't know man I think there's there's something going on there I don't know if it's an injury or if it's just like, you know, he's got the uh, the batting yips or I, I, I honestly I have no clue. I don't I don't know. I haven't really uh, paid attention to like uh, what's going on with him uh, specifically, but I got to think it can be fixed. I mean, he's still young. He's 26 years old. Ah man, yeah. I would if I were any any team. I think would be uh, well served to uh, grab Framil Reyes. Please, uh, Cubs. Please, Cubs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, especially with the DH across the NL now. I mean, any team could grab Framil and really get like a solid five hundred and fifty at bats from him. And just about any team, I think, could use them, too. Like, there's very few teams that uh, wouldn't need that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully he uh, latches onto somewhere. Um, either that or he's going to hit 75 homers in uh, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's going to come back in four years and people will be like, hey, remember him? How about he's uh, going to hit 30 home runs again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Okay, so anyway, so uh, Ian Anderson, though, I didn't really like Ian Anderson coming into the year. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was a little bit overrated. I, I was telling people not to draft Ian Anderson, even though in my NL only Tower Wars team I did draft him <laughs> inadvertently. So that was fun. Uh, yeah, that team's a mess. <laughs> It's a really bad team. I didn't do uh, I didn't do so well in my uh, Tower Wars team this year, unfortunately. Anyway, Ian Anderson, I think his uh, you know his previous year, you know what I, you know what I'm gonna say, uh, Tuki Tuki Toussaint. <laughs> That's the way the Tuki crumbles. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Ian Anderson and the Braves starters, man. I don't know the Braves rookies. They come out of nowhere, they do really well, and then they just, like, disappear just as fastly. Uh, just as fastly. That's a, a good a good use of a, a fake word. Um, just as quickly. So, yeah, I think Ian Anderson, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he was a decent prospect coming up, so maybe he could figure himself out. The problem with him was, like, even last year, his command was really bad. 
And he didn't have, like, great strikeout numbers. So, I mean, it was always kind of like – I felt like Ian Anderson was, you know, a guy who – he overperformed last year, and then he kind of underperformed this year, but it sort of evens itself out. And he's sort of – he's, like, basically an eight-point – you know, he's he's essentially an eight-and-a-half K per nine bad walks – uh, four-ish uh, walk per nine and a uh, a four ERA guy right now. I mean, that's sort of that's where he's sitting on his career uh, numbers, and that's kind of what he is. Which is, I mean, that's probably usable for real baseball if he figures it out. But yeah, in fantasy, it's not it's not so great. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've talked about Ian Anderson before. It's really like the velocity's down almost almost a mile per hour off of where he was sitting most of last year. And that's, I mean, the difference between 94, 95, and then 92, 93, that's a big difference in the batter's eye. So that's that's really where I think Ian Anderson can return to um, usefulness is if he just gains that velocity back, I think that makes a big difference. Because as you mentioned, he's not pinpoint control, so he kind of needs that velocity to miss the bats when he does kind of miss his spots a little bit more. Um, and with Fran Mill, like, all the numbers look the same. Like, he's hitting the ball equally as hard. There's not something weird with his launch angle, his fly ball, his line drive, his ground balls all the same. Like, the numbers are pretty much, like, similar to what he's done the last three years across the board so i do feel like there's definitely an opportunity for fran mill to buy low um, i think if you're looking in, in dynasty leagues right now while he's not on a team i think you could potentially get a a nice buy low offer in there um, the team who has him definitely is disappointed after this season so just something to think about before he signs and, and maybe if that's a good park all of a sudden you can't get him yeah agreed We all know the value of building a strong personal and professional network, but in practice, it's really difficult. We lose touch with someone when we change jobs, or we miss a close friend's birthday. We built Clay to make being thoughtful in your relationships easier. Once you connect your accounts, LinkedIn, email, Facebook, iMessage, and more, Clay automatically pulls in everyone you know and builds a beautiful profile for them. Then you can search your entire network take notes, set reminders to reach out, and even be prompted to reconnect if it's been a while. Clay also includes a feed of important updates from the people in your life, like a news mention or a birthday. For listeners of this podcast, we're offering a 60-day free trial if you visit clay.earth slash partners slash 60. Again, that's clay.earth slash partners slash 60. I've officially arrived at the gym. That's step one. What's step two? I guess just stand here until an idea for a workout routine comes to me? Or maybe step two is flagging down a trainer to help and- No way. I already spent most of my money on the gym membership. I can probably figure it out myself. Or you could try FitBot. It's an app that builds a workout routine for you based on your goals and fitness level. You can even tell it what equipment you have so you can get a plan that's customized just for you. So FitBod does all the planning for me. I don't have to Google random videos hoping they're right for me? That's right. FitBod actually has exercise demo videos for you too. Plus, a whole year of FitBod costs less than a single session with a trainer. Huh. Maybe I'll finally get more than one workout out of my gym membership this year. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. That's fitbod.me slash getfit. All right, uh, let's move on to, after some that depressing talk, let, let's go over to Jesus Lazarda, who is not depressing <laughs> at all. He's been great recently, Gray. Um, I mean, the Miami pitchers in general have been pretty phenomenal across the board, but, I mean, he just had a seven-inning, six-strikeout game against the Cubs, which, you know, doesn't really count as against the Cubs, but he's been he's been good other than one little start against Arizona, and then his, his second start out against St. Louis was not amazing, but, but fine. Yeah, his actually, his velocity, speaking of fastball velocity, his velocity has been up uh, so far this year, 95.5 to uh, 
about 96 and a half. Um, his K's look great. Uh, I think, you know, I think in retrospect, we're going to look back at this because he was always going to be a, a big arm. He was a guy who I think people were expecting to be an ace at some point. I, I think we're going to look back on this year and see it as like, you know, obviously a, uh, a bridged year, but a year when he really took the next step. I think he's, I think he's right on the cusp. If he can stay healthy next year, he feels like, like Lizardo feels like a guy who could become like a number one for part, uh, for part of the season and number two for, you know, a, a lot of the season and just like sort of bounce around between an ace and like, you know, a guy who really is like who becomes the next big thing. Um, not quite at like uh, Sandy Alcantara, for instance, but like you know, a step down from that. Like a guy who's you know who's really who's really good, um, just has moments of like you know where he loses it a little bit because his his uh, command is still a little wonky. But yeah, I think I think Lizardo is just about there. Like he's he's just like just barely a you know maybe like a half step away from like taking that uh, that final uh you know launch into that uh, stratosphere of guys where you're like oh I want him on every team like he's just he's just barely off of that but he's getting real close I I'm a, I'm a big fan I I think he's I think he's about to uh he's about to get there yeah, I mean, I I have nothing to disagree with here. He's looked he's looked great. Um, as you mentioned, the velocity is back. He's kind of tinkered with the the four seam sinker slider mix a little bit, and I, I feel like he's kind of found the right mix to his stuff. So, um, yeah, I expect only good things for the rest of the season, really, from Lazardo. And uh, yeah, I'll probably be in on him next year. The the K rate is amazing. Um, he could he could definitely take a step forward. It's really about him getting, you know, maintaining that spot in the rotation, keeping control, and then just uh, just putting the innings up. Really. Yep, agreed. So hopefully he can take that next step. Uh, I think at worst, like he's he's kind of like Robbie Ray with a better ERA, even if he doesn't figure it all out next year. So uh, like pre breakout Robbie Ray. Yeah, that's. I think that's a. Yeah, that's good. I was searching for a good comparison. I think that's a good comparison. Like really, like real close to the breakout, but not quite at the breakout. I, I would, I would, I would put that on him. I don't think he's like the command. The command needs to come down to like two and a half, and right now it's over three and a half. So it's a little bit out of control mm-hmm. for him for me to say like he's he's going to be a total ace, but he's real close, like real super close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's going to click at some point. It may not be this year. It may not even be next year. But it, it, he's, I think he's going to be a great dynasty asset to acquire um, if somebody's making a run and you can grab him because of the walks. And the potential for blow up, um, a guy that I thought was kind of ready to take uh, again. I think it was I, I had him at the, the level you were talking about, where like not an ace, but like yeah, he's he's really good player. If he's on every team of mine, he's my SP two or three, like an SP three. That's great. Is Reed Detmers? Um, he did not start the season so great, but since going down and coming back up. He's had five starts. He has a 1.16 ERA, a 0.94 whip, and a 32.5% K rate. Gray is Reed Detmers finally the guy that I drafted months ago? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's like uh, I if I could only if I could draft players and then just get the best version of them versus <laughs> versus what I actually get. <laughs> which is like a mix of terrible and a mix of okay and then a mix of good and then you get a little bit even of great and then it goes back to good and then it goes back to really terrible. <laughs> that's the that's the problem with the fantasy baseball. You don't you only get you don't get just the good stuff. You get all the shit. You get shit. all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get all of it. Um yeah, I mean I think the uh, you know my problem with Reed Detmers is like the fact that it took us you know in, into the middle of the season to see him 
pitched this well that like at any point could he revert back to what he was like that's that's my that's probably my biggest um you know concern with him is that at any point he's going to revert back but yeah i mean he looks great i I was kind of like, you know, I wasn't completely sold because he did burn me pretty bad in the first half, as I'm I'm sure he burned you. Uh, So I wasn't really like, you know, anxious to jump back in on him. But yeah, since he returned, I mean, he looks like exactly what we were hoping we would get from him. I would, you know, I would say I would venture a guess and say that there's still going to be some up and downs with him. I don't. I don't think he's completely there yet. I. Uh, I. I worry. You know, anytime a guy can get that good that fast, I worry that <laughs> like you know it's gonna it's gonna revert back. Like you look at like guys you know in the past that have been like really amazing and then have sort of reverted. Like Blake Snell, for instance. Like you know you. You expect Blake Snell because he was able to be so good for a whole season. Even he won a Cy Young. You would think he'd be able to fix whatever's broken when when something gets broken. But as you see with him, I mean, it takes months for these guys to fix stuff sometimes. So yeah, I think Detmers is going to be good. I I really like him. I I just worry that it's going to be a little bit more up and down than we're seeing. Yeah, I will say the fastball has has gained the movement back, so that's nice to see. Both both horizontal and vertical movement has returned to the fastball, so I think that's definitely benefiting him. Also, in he's gone very heavy breaking ball. He might have even adjusted his breaking ball because, like, he always threw the curve. That was always the like his pitch was the curve. He has like, kind of the show me change. I think he tried to like incorporate the change a little too much when it's not a good pitch and I think now he's really leaning on the curve slider mix to do everything which is really how he did it last year he didn't throw change-ups last year like it just didn't happen I don't know if somebody taught him one or he just got confident in it at some point but the changeup is not a good pitch I'm I'm happy he's ditching it again um, so yeah I do think the adjustment is real in regards to he needs to just stay away from the crappy pitch, which is this changeup. And if he can throw the three good pitches he has and his fastball is going to move better, there's really no reason that he can't continue to be good. I'm not saying a one one six ERA good, but, uh, you know, the guy that I told you we were going to get at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think the uh, I think that's all uh, pretty spot on. I think uh, his slider is... Uh, Supposedly, I think his slider is really the the pitch that's making the the huge difference in his uh, after his recall, um, and uh, yeah, he, he's it's you know it's working for him. So hopefully he keeps the right pitch mix and he's able to keep his arm slot and everything. Yeah, works he's out. found the slider almost thirty five percent since his return. So. Definitely leaning on the slider fastball combo, and the curve again is still a solid pitch. Like the curve is is not something he, I, that I want to see him get rid of. It, it's just a different offering. Um, but yes, please get rid of and rid of and keep rid of the changeup Reed Detmers. If you go back to throwing it fifteen percent of the time, twenty percent of the time, I'm just gonna have to call you and tell you again, Derek Hall. <laughs> is he for real? Is 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 the oats? Is it worth going to the barn for, Gray? I mean, and AAA this year, 20 home runs in 72 games, eight home runs so far in the majors in a very short time. He is on the short side of the platoon, but hitting it consistently in the heart of the order, four through six. Are we interested in Derek Hall and, say, anything deeper than, like, a 10-team league? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, uh, you know... I, I think he's a lot of, uh, you know, he's got the, actually the Phillies in general, they really uh, seem to develop a lot of guys who just hit the ball in the air and <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> I mean, I guess Alec Baum isn't quite that, but Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins totally they went and signed Schwarber, who's, that is all he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they like they like fly balls there, <laughs> which is you know, I mean that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's a good park for it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think Derek Hall is. Uh, 
I mean, I, th- I think he's kind of is what he is a little bit. I mean, he has been – he's hitting for a better average than I thought he would be, but it's a little bit uh, inflated due to uh, Babbitt. So his Ks aren't terrible. Uh, like I said, uh, he does hit the ball in the air a lot. So the average and the Babbitt are probably going to come down due to that. Like he's probably closer to a, a 270 Babbitt guy. Uh uh, and a 245-ish average guy because he doesn't, you know, hit, like, the ball that well. It's more fly balls or nothing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's okay for, like, a corner bat in, a, I don't know, a 10-team mixed league feels a yeah. little shallow for him. I'd probably say, you know, I would, I, I could see him bouncing on and off waivers in a 12-team mixed league. He's definitely worth rostering in a 15-team mixed league. Um, it's really like 15-team mixed league or deeper, I would say, is probably the best spot for him. Uh, anything shallower, and you're probably going to be antsy to try someone yeah, different. Yeah, and it's hard to maintain platoon bats, even if they're on the good side of the platoon in a shallower 12-team. I know there's deeper 12-teams that kind of play like 15, so in those I do think he needs to be added. But, yes, I, I'm in agreement with where – he is. I kind of want to bring him up just to kind of say that he's more, you know, Reese Hoskins minus. I mean, Reese Hoskins has like top level power in the majors. Derek Hall's not quite top level power. He's he's very good power. All right, moving on. Um, we got a couple of catcher catching prospects, which I know are your favorite thing to talk about, Gray. Are catching prospects. Uh, Joey Bart is actually hitting after his recall. He's hitting 280, five home runs, one stolen base, and just under 80 plate appearances. And Adley, not, no power yet, but starting to show off his hit tool in the last 15 games. He's hitting 367. Uh, in this, or sorry, that's in the second half. He's hitting 367, which was 15 games. So yeah, that's still correct. Um, I know you'd hate you hate uh, catching prospects, Gray, but. Does this give you some hope for maybe these guys next year as we start looking at uh, some catchers to to maybe look for in twenty twenty three or maybe that we're trading for in redraft or keeper leagues or is this a great time to sell catcher because you hate it? <laughs> well, it's uh, <laughs> with the trade. It's always a matter of whether or not you know it's what what, yeah. what you can get. So it's sort of dependent on on an actual trade. Um, you know, I think. Uh, Adelaide Rushman is kind of interesting because he was, I mean, he was a top prospect. So if he could hit, I don't, you know, it's like the, the, the Orioles moved the the fences out so much. (laughs) It's just so, it's so bad. That park is so bad now. Um, But yeah, I mean, if he can hit for enough power, he should hit for a good average. I think he's probably going to hit like, um, you know, 280 plus uh, next year, which is, you know, it's pretty good for a, for a catcher. So uh, actually it's pretty good for anyone uh, in today's game. And he might, you know, uh, next year I would say 15-ish homers probably, 17 maybe. I would, uh, I don't know, project them. I would say he's probably going to get projected for like 15 to 17 homers with a 275 to 280 average, which sounds like, you know, maybe top five-ish for a catcher. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's not bad. Joey Bart, I don't have – I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't – he's hitting for – I mean, he's hitting for some power this year, which is impressive, but he's also – awful for like contact i mean he's making such terrible contact he's he seems like he could potentially hit 180 i mean the the contact is so bad he's like a poor man's gary sanchez right now i mean i don't know he's hitting for a better average than gary sanchez has in like a couple of years but still i don't buy his uh you know is he's hitting for a 212 average on the year with a almost a forty percent strikeout rate, it's like that's not even sustainable at two twelve. I mean, that's like he he could hit one fifty with that kind of strikeout rate. So yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I mean, you're saying he's hitting better recently, so that's good, I guess, uh, since his recall, like you said. But 
I don't know, sample size. I guess we'll see if he can keep it up the rest of the year. Maybe I'll have a, a little bit better, uh, a little bit more optimism for him next year. But right now, I'm kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah, it is a little limited sample as it's only been, you know, pretty much the second half, which is, you know, only been a few weeks now. Uh, but his, he has got the K rate sub 30%, at least 28% in the second half here. So, Trending in the right direction, just something to, to monitor as we finish the season out. You know, the end-of-season numbers aren't going to be pretty, even if he hits 400 from here on out. The end-of-season numbers still aren't going to be pretty. But that's also something you can consider next year when your league is drafting catchers again early for some stupid reason and Joey Bart's sitting around in the very end of your draft. Remember that we had this conversation about him potentially making a change late in the season to his to his approach. Um, a guy who could probably use a, a change to his approach as well. Uh, we know his tools are, are like heavy metal, concert loud, but O'Neill Cruz has struggled a little bit as, as he's kind of popped up. That's not really anything crazy. We, we knew that that was definitely a possibility given just the way he, he approaches his at-bats, but... Where are you at for the rest of season on O'Neill Cruz? And then as we're kind of looking forward to next year, are you going to be back in on him? Yeah, I think I'm going to have, I think he's going to be a hard guy to not be in on because of the power speed combo. It's going to be so enticing that uh, I, I mean, the pirates scare me, the strikeouts <laughs> scare me, but still the power speed is totally really interesting. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. I mean, his really like he is such a like incredible highlight reel. <laughs> he's like he's like he's like the human highlight reel for like, you know, a baseball. Um I I mean, it's like if you've seen him hit uh like he he's basically like he can hit a ball in the outside corner like 450 feet with little to no effort. (laughs) It's just so crazy how, how much the ball jumps off of his bat and then, you know, running like he's so fast and seemingly without much effort, like everything is so effortless with him. Um, Yeah. Unfortunately can't make contact. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the, the problem is, you know, the contact is so bad that I honestly I could see him potentially being like a uh, like a 30, 20, 220 player, <laughs> at least next year. I mean, at some point, maybe the contact gets better. But, yeah, I mean, that that is I mean, and that's a really sort of, you know, that's a, a line I would take just about in any league. So I'm definitely going to be in on him. It's going to be hard to be super, like, you know, crazy high on him because of the contact. But you're going to ha- – I mean, he's going to be the kind of guy that's like you're going to take a flyer at least in one league and reach for him because he's just so exciting. Yeah, I mean, if he ever figures out the contact part, then the amount of damage he can do is going to be just stupid. Um, let me let me get this from you, Gray. Are we thinking for next year? Um, we'll start with next year and then maybe move beyond that. Is O'Neill Cruz more Tatis, Javi, or Rudnet Odor? Oh man, <laughs> I'm gonna say Javi, but I wanted to say Odor, <laughs> and I had and I had no inclination in saying Tatis. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. somewhere between Javi and Odor is what we're looking at for next year. Do you ever think yeah. he gets to like the Tatis level of contact and, and patience? Are we just looking at like, yeah, yeah? I, know, I mean, I think he's good. Garcia, I think... Like, is that the best? Mm, maybe, but he hits the ball so hard that he could potentially like sustain a 350 Babbitt and a a 245 average over the course of like a full season because everything he hits yeah. is so hard. I I wouldn't be shocked to see him hit 240 plus on a crazy high Babbitt. Yeah. I mean, he could he definitely do it the way that he just crushes the ball. He could pull 
don't know, like when Fran Mill had his like 280 season, like something like that, where he's just crushing the ball and it, it's just finding spaces. Um, yeah, I don't know if I ever see the Tatis like 300 possibility with all the numbers that come with everything that Tatis is. Uh, or Acuna, if you you know if you're not f- comfortable with Tatis because you haven't seen him this year, whatever. Yeah, I'm thinking Javi, but probably better than Javi, at least as far as the upside goes, because just the size that he has <laughs> is ridiculous. Um, another couple prospects that haven't exactly been dazzling us yet are Riley Green and Jared Kalinick, two guys that, I mean, we we thought would come up and produce almost immediately because they had the contact, they had the bat, um, and they have struggled here so far. Riley Green starting to come around a little bit, hitting for some average, not so much for any power yet. Um, where are you at on these four, two former, I guess now former, you know, elite prospects? Well, Riley Green, I don't think we can right. write off uh, a- a- anywhere near like yet. I think he's still got, uh, you know, he. I want to see Riley Green. I'm still going to be excited about Riley Green next year. I want to see Riley Green start the year with the club and, and you know, be as good as he can be. I, I think he, he can still do that. Um, Klenick is a, a little bit of a concern, though, at this point. I mean, he's, like, not even making fantastic contact when he – like, it's okay. Like, somehow he went down – like in AAA, his first time in AAA, he had a 15% strikeout rate. And this past time he went down to AAA, he had a 24% strikeout rate. So it's almost like some of his contact issues are even uh, carrying over no matter where he's playing, which is, I mean, really kind of concerning. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm still interested because of the power speed combo, but. It's like he's gonna have to fall next year if he doesn't like. If, that's like if he doesn't put together a huge um, final like six weeks, which I'd be kind of shocked if he does uh, at this point. If he did any, if he if he if he hit well over the course of a week, I'd be pretty impressed at this point because he hasn't shown any signs of anything. So yeah, I mean, Kalanick is gonna be like. I, he's going to be a forgotten man in drafts next year, and I kind of understand it, unless like we see something in these final, uh, you know, uh, month, a little over, uh, you know, six, seven weeks yeah, or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I, I think I'm probably still going to be a little bit more optimistic on Kalinic. Just again, the tools are there for him to be a very good player. I just don't know if it's going to when it's going to click. Or and, and honestly, I. I I kind of expected it to always be at some point it'll click, but it's been looking bad. But let's remember, he's still 22 years old, so he still has some time to figure this out. Um, not writing him off completely, but I will gladly take the draft drop on him next year. I think this year he was going somewhere in like the 1 to 150 range. Uh, he'll he'll go after 200 next year pretty easily. Yep. Uh, Lucas Giolito is, is one of the pitchers that uh, we were kind of talking about earlier where the performance has been a little bit a little bit up and down and kind of has been throughout his career other than last year. Um, I mean, he's had another strong performance here, though. Trade, de- trade deadlines are coming up for our leagues. It's already passed for Major League Baseball, of course. Where are you at on Giolito rest of the season? And, I mean, while we're here talking about just the most mercurial pitchers available, let's talk about Blake Snell. I mean, we mentioned him earlier. He's had three good outings, and really he's been pretty good since since July turned over. He's had a 2.56 ERA. Whip's still high at 1.2, but he's at that 37% K rate, which is old-school Blake Snell. Where are you at on these two guys who could seemingly give you five great starts and then just blow all that to hell? Speaking of the trade deadline, I saw that uh, you sent me a trade offer of uh, Dylan Cease. Uh, I send you Dylan Cease, and you send me Kyle Schwarber. And I I declined it, and it asked me if I wanted to give a comment, and I said no. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know why. I didn't even look to see if that trade would help me. I think it definitely (laughs) would help you, but that's okay. 
<laughs> I like I like Dylan oh, Cease. I, I mean, he's Cease. got the mustache and everything. I mean, you you can't be you can't but be trying to RCL. get Dylan Cease like, off. Of it's an RCL. Have you seen in his the other league, he carries so much more weight than he does in an RCL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going down to the ship, and Dylan Cease is going down with me. Yeah. So great. I both won't address our issues, and we'll just we'll just see who fights for the last points. And I'm not addressing any issues. There's no issues to be addressed. <laughs> I'm I'm losing this league, and I'm going to lose it with Dylan Cease. Uh, uh, okay, so anyway, uh, Blake Snell, you know, um, honestly, I had forgotten uh, about Blake Snell being so good in the second half last year that now that he's starting to do well this year in the second half, I'm like, oh, is that a thing? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't – like that whole like the splits thing is always so weird to me because it doesn't really make any sense for a guy to be like better in the second half. It's like – are you just not trying in the first half? <laughs> what is that? What is that? It doesn't make sense, but I don't know. I mean, Blake Snell seems like a total dipshit. So maybe maybe that's what his deal is. Maybe he's just good in the second half uh, eventually when he figures things out. Uh, I don't know why that would be because, you know, we've seen really good stretches for him from over a whole season, but – yeah, now he's he seems really flaky. Um, so yeah, I mean maybe Blake Snell is is good now uh, for the last you know six plus seven plus weeks. Um, so Giolito for me Giolito feels like a guy who's just being like he's a little bit unlucky. Uh, I I I still think he's a buy low. Like I, he seems to me like a a three and a half ERA guy who is just getting unlucky and has been like, you know, is giving up a lot of homers, which isn't good. I mean, obviously you, you don't want to see uh, him give up so much hard contact, but I don't know. I, I, I still think like his ground balls are up this year. His line drives are down and somehow he's still giving up a lot of homers and his, uh, his K's are fine his walks are a little bit up, so his command is a little bit off. But yeah, I I think Giolito's I think Giolito's still like a uh, you know potential like bottom low low number one, like maybe maybe more of a number two. But I st- I still think that potential is there for him. I just think he's also really like pretty solid about getting to 175 innings every year. Like he's uh you know and for in today's game, that's basically a workhorse. So yeah, I, you know, I think Giolito's still okay. I, I, I don't mind Giolito. I think he's a buy low in keeper leagues. I would be looking to buy him, um, and then probably in redraft leagues too. If you know, if you need to take a gamble, I, I, I am a little bit concerned that he hasn't really, like you said, he. He 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 was a you know a couple decent starts here and there recently, but still only like I mean I forget now off the top of my head, but it was only like five and a a little bit over five innings. So it's not like you're seeing like the the complete game shutouts either. Like he's not like blowing people away, but yeah, I, I mean his numbers are telling me he's going to be better than he has been. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm actually on the other side of Giolito. I think I'd sell him right now if I could. Uh, the velocity has been slowly declining on the fastball pretty much all season, which isn't great. Um, and then on top of that, like if you look at the matchups that he's performed well in versus the ones that he struggled, you start looking at him, you're like, oh, so, I mean, maybe it's good that they're predictable, so you just don't start him against good teams. But he hasn't, he hasn't really pitched well against a good team uh, since like May. So I just, it's good that you can pick and choose and you know which ones, but also if you're looking at a staff ace, I don't have to pick and choose my matchups with, with a guy that I should feel comfortable throwing out there every time. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I'm probably being a little bit optimistic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're making decent points. I think, 
I think maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic by saying a low, low number one. He's probably closer to a a, a two or a, a, a mid two at this point. So yeah, I I think uh, I think you're probably right. right. And then Snell, I honestly have no idea. Like Snell could blow up tomorrow, and I'd not be surprised. Snell could be great the rest of the season. I know, like his numbers are all the same. Like I really have no good reading on Snell other than he's got a little bit of break back on some of his pitches and maybe that's that's all he needed but I, I just I feel like it's in between his ears like he gets that right and and gets his arm slot and then things things work out but there's really nothing in the numbers that that say anything until it happens unfortunately yeah agreed uh, Bubba Thompson was called up uh in triple a this year he's had 13 home run or 13 home runs 49 stolen bases. He's hitting 303 with a 25% K rate and just under a 6% walk rate. Uh, he's only hitting ninth so far, so only so much to get excited about from a runs and RBI perspective um, on the Rangers specifically. But, I mean, Bubba Thompson is a guy who could who could turn the stolen base category around for you, for give you a cut those much-needed points, Gray. Yeah, no, completely. I'm... I'm all about Bubba Thompson right now. <laughs> I think he was also uh, in my, uh, I want to say in my NFBC leagues with Fab, uh, Bubba Thompson was like the top, the top guy off of uh, Fab this week. Uh, he was, he was the top, um, the, the one people bid the most on. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, because everyone needs, at least one team needs steals in every league. Uh, in most of the leagues, that one team is me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I love Bubba Thompson. I think he's probably, like, potentially I could see a scenario where, because the Rangers are doing nothing, and Bubba Thompson's just up to showcase what he's capable of. So, I mean, if he stole 15 uh, bases in, like, the final, you know, seven weeks or something, then, yeah, I w- it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, so that that's something, again, if you're looking for steals, there's at least half the league in your in your league is looking for steals. So whether it's to block or whether you need them, I mean, it's a, it's a good pickup if he's not already grabbed. Uh, let's talk about one more pickup before we get to, or one more call-up here, Greg, before we get into the bullpen and some waivers. Uh, Michael Massey was called up. Across double A and triple A this year, he had 60 home runs, 13 stolen bases, and he hit over 305 at both stops. At what league are you looking at uh, adding Michael Massey? Uh, none. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, he's probably a solid hit tool guy. So you're looking at someone who could potentially help you in average. And maybe he can chip in a couple steals. He doesn't really have, like, that much power, I don't think. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, Casey isn't a great place to hit for power. So, yeah, I mean, I could see maybe taking a flyer on him in, like, I want to say 15-team mixed league is probably the shallowest right now for Michael Massey. But, you know, it it depends on if you need average – I mean, there's worse guys maybe to take a flyer on for average. I think he's, uh, you know, he's a, a solid, like, probably, I would guess, everyday, you know, everyday middle infielder, everyday MI who might hit 290 plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, that could be something in some leagues. I, de- I can't imagine people are going to be that interested in like a 12 team mixed league though. Yeah, I agree. Unless he moves up in the lineup, I, I just don't see it being worthwhile from just the home runs and stolen bases pr- production. Uh, and then if he's not moving up in the order, he's not going to give you the counting numbers to go with it. He does have one game hitting second, but I believe that was a game where they were giving wit the day off. So that's why he got moved up for that single game. Um, otherwise it, it's really hard to see him kind of crack, higher than six in this lineup, uh, even as bad as, as the Royals are. Um, they, they do have a few hitters they like to see at the top still. Yeah. All agreed. right, Gray, let's talk about some of the bullpens and, and some potential guys we can look at or some changes. What do you got this week? Uh, 
So in uh, Arizona, they said that they're going to go with a uh, closure by committee with uh, Ian Kennedy and Melanson. So that sounds awful. Um, <laughs> sounds really bad. I honestly, I don't know if I would even be looking at either of those guys uh, in shallower leagues. In a deeper league, you do what you got to do. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's Sagnoff, so. If you need saves, you go try and grab saves. I, I think Kennedy right now is probably 60-40 in favor of Kennedy because Melanson's just been yeah. so bad for so long. Um, and then in Cincy, Hunter Strickland just keeps getting opportunities, even though he really sucks. Uh, Alexis Diaz is better. But I wouldn't be surprised if Cincy's worried about arbitration and and having to pay Diaz where Strickland is a vet so they could just let him close and not have to worry about you know paying him ever so I honestly Diaz should be the closer but I wouldn't be surprised if Strickland stays there as the closer and then uh, one that's super sad for me to report on is uh, Clay Holmes. Just uh, he's he's looked kind of bad for a couple weeks now. Unfortunately, I uh, in a twelve-team mixed league, I've actually benched him for this week. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Aroldis, uh Chapman is back in line for some saves in New York. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, I think they just taxed Clay Holmes. They were throwing him so much. All the time. Beginning of the season, they were doing it multiple innings too. So yeah, I think I think Clay Holmes just ran into the wall. There's a reason he's a relief pitcher, not a starter. Um, but yes, I think he'll be fine eventually. But yes, Rold Chapman could fall into some. Uh, Strickland has given up, I think, runs in four of his last five appearances. So I do think there is something to look at for Alexis Diaz, even if. Even if uh, they're worried about the arbitration, I mean, it's so hard to watch Hunter Strickland walk out there every time. Same with Melanson. I'll take I'll take yeah. Kennedy, but I I just I have no interest in rostering Melanson, even if I'm desperate for saves. It just seems like such a bad bad use of of your roster spot. There's also uh, oh, there's also Jonathan Hernandez in Texas, which uh, randomly. The Rangers uh, switched their closer. <laughs> just I mean, they're just like they had Barlow there, and just like I don't know, let's try someone else. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> all right, guys. I don't know. The Rangers seem like a, a team that doesn't really know their ass from their elbow. But yeah, yeah. so they they have Hernandez. Matt Moore's gotten a save. I think Brock Burke's gotten a save. Uh, and then eventually yeah. uh, Barlow will be back, so it's just a mess in Texas. But yeah, if you're if you're chasing, I think Hernandez is probably the one who's going to get the most looks, just because Moore and Burke are both lefties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. All right, Gray. Uh, as we move to, move on to some waivers here, I did want to ask you just in regards to how you approach kind of the end of the season. We got innings, pitch limits starting to kind of loom over us, especially in shallower leagues. How do you approach the low K starting pitchers? It's fine during the season, you know, you get the numbers, you get the ratios, and you just kind of build those out. But now that we're really getting down to it, if we're looking at, you know, we need a few Ks here or there, are you maybe more selective with the, some of the low K pitchers who have been good lately? Like Merrill Kell has been great, uh, Cole Irvin, Graham Ashcroft, Spencer Watkins. Like these guys aren't sexy, but like they have been putting up good outings. But can you take those outings now that we're we're starting to get to it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably team dependent. Uh, all those guys, I think, are startable in just about any league if the matchups are right. And you're, you know, even I, I mean, you can get K's. Like, you can go and out and get, like, uh, a middle reliever and get Ks, like, get three Ks from a middle reliever and tack that on to a, a, say, a Cole Irving uh, start of three Ks. So if he goes six innings, gets three Ks, and you tack on a middle reliever who gets three Ks, then you, you have six Ks. Hey, look at, <laughs> look at Gray doing math. I mean, I, I think you can work around the low K uh, starters that – it's not completely debilitating. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have no problem starting them if the matchups are good. Actually, I think I uh, I started Kelly 
um, I believe it was Sunday I started him in a, in a league, or maybe it was Saturday, but I started him in a league or two. So, yeah, I, I don't mind it. I think, you know, it's like, in my one in one twelve team uh, twelve team mixed league where I'm I'm doing okay I, I think I'm in third place uh, where I, I have a, a a possibility a long shot but there's a possibility for me to move to first uh, and I have like uh, Merrill Kelly there but I also have like you know Ryan Helsley so it's like the two balance each other out because Helsley just gets so many K's and has been so great that he balances out Kelly so yeah I think it's I think you can manage to figure it out with uh, a low K starter all right, all right. Uh, any any other names you want to throw out there Gray for for the waivers before we get out of here uh so uh Nick Gordon uh Nick Gordon strange has been hitting well. Uh, Jorge Mateo is actually the top guy on the seven-day player raider. Uh, I just saw that. Um, this is a, as of Monday. Um, Andy Rosario has been great. Uh, Victor Robles. Uh, Lars Nutbar. <laughs> hey, uh, Lars Nutbar. If you're, if you're at Costco, pick up a, a Lars Nutbar while you're there. They have good deals on them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I think also Nolan Gorman's been relatively hot. And MJ Melendez, uh, he's been really good. I wish uh, – I, I don't know why he's batting leadoff. <laughs> that, that is a little bit bizarre. If anything, I would actually put Michael Massey at leadoff and move uh, Melendez. Melendez down. Yeah, probably, but, you know, hey. Eh. Hey, who's the question, Mike <laughs> Melanthi, right? <laughs> I mean, hey, he's got—he's one of the brilliant minds of baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All this stuff, Billy Hamilton. If you're really chasing steals, he's not even getting plate appearances. Great, but he's getting steals. He has five steals and six yeah. plate appearances, I believe, in the last week so, or two weeks. Was um, so they're pitching. Uh, Andre Payante uh, could get back in the rotation because Dakota Hudson has been awful since uh, pretty much the last few starts. Bryce Wilson has actually been pitching well. He's available in a lot of leagues. Austin Voth, since he's got converted to being a starting pitcher, has been pretty solid. He's only going five innings, so quality start leagues, not really a help there. But he's he's been great other than that. Uh, George Kirby has turned it around, so if he got dropped for some reason in your league, uh, Brady Singer and Cal Quantrill, and those are the last names that I have for you out there. So, if as always, if you have specific questions about trades as we get to the deadline, or you're wondering about your rosters, you can give it to us in the comments. You can find us on Twitter. I am at RazBeaton. Gray is, of course, the at RazBall account. So last week I had some technical difficulties, but we will try and get that back on track this week. So the video will be up on youtubecom slash Razball Fantasy. And uh until next week we'll uh we'll talk to you later. See you, Gray. All right, lates. <laughs>